Well, I invite you this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, to turn with me in them to the book of John, uh, John chapter 12, uh, the beginning of John chapter 12. Uh, again, your own Bibles, the PDF that's sent out, uh, or it will come up on the screen in front of you in just a few moments. Last week, we began a, a mini-series, a new mini-series here at APC uh, centered around uh, dinner, uh, centered around food. Well, not exactly just food or just dinner. More specifically, we are looking at those events in the life of Jesus where he went into people's homes. For as it was observed when he was here on earth as They accused him of, the son of man has come eating and drinking. And so last week we found ourselves in the home of Martha and Mary, with Martha in the kitchen and Mary at the feet of Jesus. And it was a scene that reminded us that Jesus wants more than just your service, but he wants your company. Well, today we enter into a different home, the home of Simon the leper in the same city, the city of Bethany, and with a similar cast of characters. Mary and Martha are again there. This is a scene that I alluded to last week and one that gives us uh, just another glimpse, another view of Jesus's beauty. John's not the only one who records this scene. Matthew and Mark also record it without some of the detail that John puts together. But appropriately, this scene that I'm about to read to you uh, is happening on the eve of Palm Sunday. It's at the the very start of, of Holy Week where we find ourselves this morning. Jesus of Nazareth is approaching his his final week on earth. For three years he has proclaimed the arrival of the kingdom of God through his words and through powerful healings and his ministry has created created quite a stir and has created quite a gathering And, and because of that reality, he is a wanted man. The Jewish authorities are are out to rid themselves of him. And they're plotting already behind the scenes about how they can do just that. And Jesus is aware of this. But more than that, Jesus is prepared for this. Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. It's not that Jesus has a death wish. He just knows what the will of the Father in heaven is. And so we are close. He has come to the village of Bethany just outside of Jerusalem about two miles and tomorrow he'll ride into the city as is prophesied to the waving of palm branches and to the cheers of the masses extolling him as the king of Israel, the long-awaited one. But today, tonight, as we enter into this scene, Through an extraordinary act, at a very ordinary dinner party, Jesus reminds us just what kind of king he came to be. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, I want to read it for you. Listen as I read.
Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a story we have for us here in John chapter 12. A familiar story, I think, uh, to many of us who have grown up in the church, uh, who have gone to Sunday school. Mary's actions here uh, are more profound, I think, than we might first think. And they display for us two truths that we need to embrace today, that we need to embrace and, and, and savor all week and indeed the entirety of our lives. And the first one is this. Jesus came to be the lamb slain for us. Jesus came to be the lamb slain for us. It's two days before it's Passover, sheep are all over the town. It's more than two days, it's several days, six days before the Passover. Sheep are all over town, passing through. Perhaps you can hear their innocent bleeding from time to time. Jerusalem and its surrounding villages at this time of year, would, uh, their numbers would, would swell. Historians estimate that there would have been literally thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of, of lambs in Jerusalem and in the surrounding villages because this time of year was a special time of year in the life of God's people. They are preparing to commemorate and to celebrate Israel's deliverance from Egypt long ago. You remember the story? After plague, after plague, after plague upon Egypt in an attempt to loosen Pharaoh's grip on God's people, Yahweh tells them of the coming wrath of God against Egypt. And to escape this wrath themselves, the Israelites were commanded to put blood above their doorposts that the promised death might, might literally pass over their houses. For God's people, it was, it was an act of faith. And for those who believe God's promise and stepped out in faith, it was their salvation 
And that's the backdrop of, of Jesus finding himself six days before Passover in the house of Simon the leper. Jesus is there with his closest friends in a, in a pre-Passover meal, kind of a, a thank you dinner party, we think. John seems to imply that, that Mary and Martha and Lazarus indirectly are, are giving Jesus this evening. They are serving him as he has done them the ultimate service in literally raising Lazarus back to life. That story happens between the story that we looked at last week and the story we're looking at today. And I suspect a, a lot went on at this dinner party. One imagines what kind of, of conversation happened. Maybe Lazarus recounted the sensation of, of, of dying and being raised back to life. Can you even imagine hearing such a tale? Maybe there were questions uh, for Jesus about his, his future and the gathering conspiracy against him. One wonders uh, all the conversation and all the emotions that went on. And in the backdrop is the, the lambs bleeding as they would be led to slaughter in just days to come. But the gospel writer, the apostle John, only records one part of the evening. An event so extraordinary and so meaningful that here we are thousands of years later and we're still talking about it. Mary and her actions are still on our minds. It all centers around Mary, the one who sat at Jesus' feet last week, the one who is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. It seems that her, her preoccupation with listening, with sitting at the feet of Jesus is, is paying off. It's now showing itself because she knows something about this evening that everyone else seems to be missing. And that is that this would be one of Jesus's last. You see, Jesus had been telling his followers throughout his ministry and even in the hours leading up to this stop in Bethany, he would been telling his followers that he had to die like a criminal at the hands of the Jews and the Romans, his life and his ministry would come to an end for this was his purpose, to be the lamb of God that would be slain for their sins, for our sins, and for the sins of all who would come to him. But they didn't get it. He was their friend, he was their teacher, he was their long-awaited Messiah, but his talk of death, his own death, it just didn't compute. Except for Mary. Quite possibly Mary's thought process went something like this. There she is, enjoying Jesus' presence as he's reclined at the table in this beautiful scene of, of intimacy with Jesus and his friends and his followers. And it dawns on her if Jesus is going to be executed, as he said he was going to be executed, who knows how his body is going to be treated? 
at the hands of his enemies, at the hands of the Romans. Maybe they won't even allow it to be prepared for burial. A normal, ancient, common way to show love and respect for lost loved ones. And there's no doubt that Mary loved this man. She believed his words. He had done so much for her family. And so at some point in the evening, Mary got up and she retrieved a bottle of perfume that was her absolute finest. Perhaps she had been thinking about this for some time and and had saved it for such an occasion as this. And, And when she returns to these 15 men reclined around a table, she pours this incredibly expensive ointment all over Jesus. You see, Matthew and Mark, they say that Mary poured it on Jesus' head, but John says that she poured it on his feet, which leads us to believe that, that she covered him from head to toe. The picture is this, just as a body would be prepared for burial, Mary empties what would likely be a 12, think of a 12 ounce soda can. She empties this entire bottle of expensive ointment perfume on the body of Jesus. She isn't crazy, (laughs) but she isn't bashful either. She understands. She understands what these men are missing, that Jesus is the lamb who came to be slain. And friends, this is the heart of Jesus for you and for me. We need this Jesus. Knowing our sin, knowing all the ways that we fall short, we celebrate and we savor this Jesus. Jesus can't just be regulated to the history books as some fascinating figure or great teacher or a model of compassion for the poor and the needy. Though he was those things, he is the Lamb of God, born to be cut down, born to give his life to sinners such as you and I. Jesus knew this, and yet he did this in love, just like the innocent Passover lambs bleeding all over He shed his blood, the sacrifice of the innocent one, taking the wrath of God that we deserve, that all those who might trust in him might be spared. Brothers and sisters, believe this. Know this. Revel in this. Look to the Lamb who was slain for you. That's the first thing we need to see this morning. The second flows from it. And it's this. Jesus is priceless. Jesus is priceless. Perhaps you know the commercials. Two tickets to a game, $28. Two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas. $18. One autographed baseball, $45. 
real conversation with your 11-year-old son, priceless. There's some things money can't buy, and for everything else, there's MasterCard. When we say something is priceless, we say that it has a value that is so precious that it cannot be determined. And that's what Mary shows us here. That's what Mary reminds us of through her actions. Not only does she show us Jesus' ultimate purpose as she prepares his body for burial as the Lamb of God slain for us, but she displays in the most vivid ways his incomparable worth. We see this incredible picture of his worth at the end of this age through this mysterious scroll that we find in Revelation chapter five. This scroll that that we think uh, contains the purposes for all of history, God's purposes for human history. And, And let me remind you of what John saw in Revelation chapter five. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus reveals himself to be at the end of all time, the pearl of great price, the treasure found in the field, the resurrection and the life, the one who is worthy to leave everything behind. And Mary understood this. And Mary shows us this in at least three ways. By how she handles her wealth, how she handles her time, and how she handles her reputation. First of all, the extravagance of of Mary's gift shows that Jesus is priceless. We've already mentioned the size of the flask of ointment that that she used, but Judas brings up, because Judas's mind is always on money, Judas brings up its monetary value. Pure nard was imported into Israel from the, the Himalayan mountains at great cost, and so this flask was appar- apparently worth over 300 denarii. Now, a denarii is a day's wage, so when you do the calculations, we're talking about a year's worth of wages, and so conservatively, about a $20,000 bottle of perfume. What a waste, some of the dinner party exclaims. Judas, of course, leads the criticism. Mary, you aren't using your head. You've gone too far. Think of the usefulness of that money. And Jesus stops them cold and says, leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm worth it. And I'm about to show you that I'm worth it. I'm about to show you vividly that fact as I die for you. 
If this were said by, by you or I, by a mere man, this would be an incredible act of arrogance. But when it flows from the lips of Jesus, it is truth. Because Jesus is priceless and ridiculous grace creates extravagant love. Mary loves Jesus above everything. Judas loves money above everything. And it isn't ironic that he will sell Jesus. He will betray Jesus for just a fraction, just a fraction of what Mary poured out on him on this evening. But it's not just the extravagance of her gift, but the focus of her love that Mary shows us the pricelessness of Jesus. See, Mary wasn't doing anything for Jesus. She was simply declaring his worth. Kind of like last week. She, she wasn't serving him. She was simply loving him. Worshiping him. Jesus highlights this fact when he says in verse 8, you will always have the poor with you. but you will not always have me. Jesus was all about the poor. He still is all about the poor and the needy and the widow, the, the widow and the fatherless. But as we were reminded last week, the heart of the gospel is not doing things for Jesus. It's recognizing and worshiping his worth, valuing him above all else. That's the heart of one who is transformed by the gospel. And lastly, I think the abandon of Mary's love shows us the priceless nature of Jesus. Mary's display of love here, it's, it's crazy. She's kind of lost herself in the worth of Jesus, hasn't she? This is an intimidating scene. Put yourself in, in Mary's shoes, especially all you introverts. It's a group of, of godly men there reclining with Jesus. They've walked with him for years. This is in a culture where men and women weren't thought of as equal partners. And, and Mary derails this entire scene. Can you imagine all the conversations that are going on on the table, at the table, come to a screeching halt as Mary starts emptying this perfume on Jesus. We read in John 12, 3, Mary took an expensive ointment made from pure nard, and what did she do? She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair. Could there be any more lowly display of honor and love? Mary is essentially saying, I don't, I don't care what these guys think. <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks, what societal norms say. I know who you are, Jesus. You are worthy of my deepest devotions and I will bring myself to the lowest point I can to declare that you are worth everything. I'll be a fool for you, Jesus. 
No airs about her, no pride, no fear of man. All that is set aside and she worships the one who is worthy of such an act. Oh, how foreign that is to us and to our desires unless we really see Jesus for who he is, as Mary sees Jesus for who he is. Because giving it all away and sitting at his feet and swallowing our pride, it seems to be the death of us, and indeed it is. But Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it for me. The New Testament writers, well, and the psalmists too, And then we take those words on our lips. They talk about uh, being ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. We talk about making the Lord, making Jesus our, our portion. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is none that I desire besides you. But are we willing to quote unquote waste like Mary? To love Jesus with such reckless abandon. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope we are. I hope in this time and place of so much being stripped away around us that our vision might clear, that the fog might disperse, and that we might see the Jesus who is the lamb slain for us, the Jesus who is priceless and that we might indeed say with Mary, there is no one greater. Brothers and sisters, whether it be for the first time, the thousandth time, run to him, rejoice in him, meditate on him, and rest in him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for Mary. How wonderful it will be in the new heavens and the new earth to meet her and to say thank you to such an extraordinary woman who you gave such extraordinary grace and faith to perform such an act that would be still talked about thousands of years after the fact. Oh, Father, I know it's my desire that I would love, that I would know and love Jesus like that. As we enter this week of meditating more acutely on the passion of Jesus that sent him to the cross. May our hearts swell with pride, with with joy, with love for our Savior. That indeed the gospel might overflow from our lives to all those around us. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for us. 
Thank you, Lord God, for sending him, for revealing him to us. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, before we close our time together in a song of adoration to the Lord, I want to just confess our faith and respond to God's word using the Apostles' Creed, in part because we're used to doing this almost every week, and it's been quite some time now since we've been able to confess with one voice and one heart what it is that we believe, what it is we base our lives on. And so, if you would, in your homes, wherever you are, recite this with me and let this be not only the words of your mouth, but the cry of your heart as well. Together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.